welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have Daniel Voss. He is the director of marketing over at Logmian for the GoToWebinar product, but he's working on something new that we're going to get into just a little bit. But Daniel, welcome. Great to have you on the program. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, very exciting. This is my first podcast from the I'm actually talking versus just listening. So thanks for having me. Yeah, first podcast. So new channel for Daniel, but this is a guy who knows more about webinars than probably anyone on the planet, which we're going to dig into. We're actually going to get into some pretty interesting uh, insights and factoids for those of you doing webinars, but that's not really the focus of today. We're going to talk about a new product that Daniel and the team are coming out with and how that came to light. But first, you know what I want to share with you, just an experience for me. As I got to know Daniel, we started talking about our youth, we started talking about our passions, and just really getting to know each other outside the focus of the content. And one of the things I really liked, Daniel, was finding out that you and I shared similar passions around video gaming, because I was a big video game geek as a kid, and it seemed like you were as well. Absolutely. Started out with an Atari, and uh, my brother never got his hands uh, on it again thereafter. So we didn't talk about it. Started young and kept going. (laughs) We didn't talk about this, but have you saved any of those machines? Because I still have my Atari and my early Magnavox uh, game still in the garage because I can't throw it away. I think my brother sold the Atari at some point, uh, but I still have a Commodore Amiga uh, sitting around somewhere. It's very dusty and it has a monochrome screen, which kind of uh, I bought that later. Um, so, but yeah, I've still got some of my old stuff lying around. It's nice. It, it's holiday time of the year, and I remember when the little, I think it was Mattel, came out with a little football game, right? The little handheld football game that was a little bunch of LED dots where you would move the players down the field, and I was jealous because I didn't have one, and there were some kids playing that at school, and I'm like, God, that looks a lot of fun. And all it was was little LED dots moving down a screen, and that was football. But for those of you who don't know, uh, back in 1999, I did a startup with a couple guys, and we made a product called Roger Wilco, and it was the very first VoIP product for the internet. Internet. It was the ability to talk, and we were focused on gaming. So I found out that Daniel and I, you know, the software that I created back then with my buddies was a product that Daniel used for his gaming goodness. Yeah, I was chatting over it with all my friends as we were playing. That was a ton of fun. So I, I already, uh, I, I have a best friend and best man, and I already told him this morning, actually. We were on the phone this morning. I was like, man, I met the guy who did Roger Wilco. And he was like, no way. So uh, we had a lot of fun about that this morning. <laughs> That's cool. Well, it, that was a good time. It was a lot of fun to work on that product. The idea for Roger Wilco, by the way, came from my wife. And she was actually a bit frustrated that I was going to have another night of gaming playing with her brother and some buddies in, in the shooters that we played. And she said, God, I wish there was a way that you wouldn't tie up the phone so I could make some phone calls. Can't you figure out a way to talk on the computer and that was the genesis of the idea but you know you have gone through uh, for those of you who don't know Daniel's background when uh, you know the Godo family was part of Citrix he was running marketing uh, demand generation in EMEA for the GoToWebinar platform so like I said there's a guy who knows a ton about GoToWebinars from a technology standpoint well, when I came out with the idea for Roger Wilco, you know, I wasn't having to sell that idea to a big, large company. 
And Daniel's passion for GoToWebinar has led him to go to the executive team and pitch a new idea that they've been working on. And I want to start there about what it's like to take risk in your career because we as marketers have to take risk all the time. So tell me a little bit of the backstory of, of just how the idea came to be and what it was like pitching it to the executive team. Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, I was based in Germany at the time, and I'm I'm German. I'm from Germany, and I was the head of marketing of a German company called Netviewer that brought me into Citrix. Right, Citrix bought Netviewer in I think 2011, and so I I worked in DemandGen, and we did a lot of webinars because I had teams. I had a team in France, I had a team in the UK, and I had a team in Germany, and we were those were our core markets in Europe. And so we did this webinar program and at one point we were to the level where we had 100 webinars every quarter in three languages and it turned out to be a beast to manage. We were creating a ton of good content, we were pretty aligned with the sales teams in terms of, of how that worked and what they would have to uh, what what they would have to say, the content that we had put out, so we did briefings for them. And so they were generating they were getting good demand on the base of it and they were closing stuff. And so quite happy on that end, but not happy about the time that my team spent on it. In my mind, we were spending too much time on it and they were creating, they were creating evergreen or like semi green, semi evergreen content, right? Like maybe two years, three years, four years worth of shelf life. Let's say, you know, the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs at the time, right? Uh, that was of interest to everybody. And, and yet we had to recreate it every couple of months because we needed a new live webinar. And, and so I grew frustrated with not being able to use the on-demand content as much, right? We put it on our website. The reality was it didn't get much traction on the website. Uh, we put it on YouTube. We had very few views on YouTube and then we didn't know who they were. And uh, and so it was really tough to do anything with the on-demand. And my boss at the time, Andrew Millard, he, uh, he was very good at managing people. That was his thing. And so so every every year we had, uh, I think he had a name for it. Like we had an annual review where he would uh, he would ask for career goals, right? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Where are you going with that? Tell me about yourself. And for years, I would say, Andrew, just leave me alone. I'm happy. Uh, what do you want from me? <laughs> this is working. And uh, and then but every year he kept insisting. And so so I was like, OK, uh, all right, let me think about this. And as I thought about it, I. I I realized that in a way I was tired of just marketing something that I had no influence over, right? It was the same product. Yes, you could submit something to the product team and say, hey, this would be neat. And they'd be like, yeah, sure, we'll add it to our list of 15,000 things that would be neat. But you had no direct influence. And so I realized I wanted to be in product and not in marketing. And so uh, I talked to my wife. Uh, hey, could you think of yourself living in the U.S.? And, and we had we had a small son at the time who was two, and we had a baby on the way. And she's like, oh, why not? And uh, and I took that as a yes, uh, which later turned out to not be the case. <laughs> uh, and so I set everything in motion. And and sure enough, a couple of months later, we uh, we were in Santa Barbara. And so now we live in California on the West Coast. It's uh, well, obviously Santa Barbara is really nice. So. The beaches were like 50% of the selling uh, to my wife in the end, and we made it over here. And and you asked about risk taking, right? So, so in a sense, obviously moving your family to another country uh, is a, is a big risk. But at least I did it within a business, right? And and so I, we moved over here, and I I'd been hired for product marketing. They wouldn't give me they wouldn't give me a spot in product. And so I, I joined product marketing, and I I was trying to sell this idea 
And so the first guy I was trying to sell it to was uh, was was the product guy who's still with the company, uh, Chris Battles, and and he, he I think thought it sounded interesting, but there were 15 other things that you could do with the product, and, and this idea go to stage like taking everything on demand was the stretch from the product where, you know, webinars are like 95% a live thing, and, and on demand is a bit of an afterthought, and so it took me pretty much it took me over two years to sell it. Uh, first to him, then we've got it on the roadmap. Then uh, the old GM wasn't really bought into it, and and so it took a long while to really sell it. And only with over the last year with the with the merge, right? So so the go-to businesses um, merged with LogMeIn, uh, who you might know from products sure. like JoinMe and LastPass, right? And so only now over the last year we've been able to really work on it hard and and released it. I think like eight, eight weeks ago in beta. Uh, and so, in a way, the the move felt like the biggest risk, uh, but I thought, you know, by moving, I thought I'd be able to realize the ideas. But then the the time frame from getting here, and having people on board, uh, that was a lot longer than I had expected. So interesting, just to kind of replay some of this for you. There was there was a champion that you had to get on board, and that was your wife, because uh, the major decision to relocate was was part of the equation. But it was interesting at first. You know, there was a little bit of I don't know if it's mediocrity or just comfort. You know, when Andrew was saying, "Hey, you know, what do you want to do? What's your career goals?" and trying to push you out of your comfort zone and get you a little bit uncomfortable. Um, that that was that was challenging and then you know you kind of just rose up to the occasion and found that passion and said I want to do something and and here you are selling an idea internally for 2 years so again we in marketing we've got to sell new martech new processes new approaches all the time what advice would um you give to someone about you know having to sell an idea that that maybe really relates to marketers um and what we do I found what what has helped me is frame it from the perspective of a customer, right? Like, what's the value to the customer? And for for this specific thing, it's 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 relatively easy to come to explain. And then the other element is being believable. So being believable, right? I'm not believable. Yes, I, I was the customer of this thing once, but I'm also within the company. And so getting external validation, getting someone else to agree that this is a good thing. So I, I did a lot of customer calls, right? Like I, I just, I picked the customer from Salesforce and I would just call them and say, hey, I'm Janet from GoToWebinar. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how you use the product and and how about these ideas and how, how about Demandgen and what exactly are you using it for? And then I would ask people if I could record them. And then whenever I pitched the idea to them and they said, yeah, that sounds exciting or that sounds interesting, I would I would record them. And then in the end, internally, I had a couple of snippets where I just send the audio snippets to everybody who would listen and be like, hey, look, customers are saying this is a great idea. Interesting. So, so them hearing not just your passion, but more importantly, them hearing about the the excitement or enthusiasm uh, by the um, potential prospects was was great. Well, let's tell everybody what you guys are doing and the context. So, um, you heard you heard the brand actually referenced very quickly by Daniel. They are bringing to market a product called Go To Stage, and you also heard him mention that he used to produce about a hundred webinars. And the things that Daniel and I both know, and I'm sure you listening in know, is that when you work on a webinar and you put it together. 
there's this spike, you know, there's this this launching of the webinar and you do your campaigns and registration, you get people to attend this this piece of content. And then maybe if you do a good job marketing it afterwards, there's a little staying power in the webinar. Well, what Daniel has done is kind of reinvented the whole concept of thought leadership and education and content uh, in a webinar or um, format. So Daniel, why don't you take us through um, what that's going to look like and what it looks like today for those of people not familiar yet with the, I guess, the early go-to-market of GoToStage. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so so GoToStage is really, it's a video platform and it's kind of like YouTube for business. But usually when you hear someone say it's like YouTube for business, what they mean is like it's an enterprise video portal and you put your own stuff there and it's mainly internal facing. In this case, like it it's external facing. So the idea is that Anybody who produces long-form video that is business-themed has a central place where they can put it, where it actually gets found. Because, and I touched on it earlier, it's really a lot of that content today is essentially undiscoverable. Uh, we have on the platform, we've got 55,000 customers. They produce 2.3 million webinars every year, 2.3 wow. million. And a ton of those get recorded, but you're not finding them, right? If you're, if, you're Google, if you're searching for any topic on Google, any niche B2B topic, what you'll usually find is a ton of blog posts, articles. You're not going to find a lot of video. And if you do find video, it, it ends up being short form. And, and one of the things where webinars stand out is that they're long form, right? And they go really deep. And, and we found in the research that we've done that people want to go, go deep. The average time that someone spends on a webinar is 61 minutes. 61 minutes to talk to someone about your content, your product, and so on. Where else do you get that? And, uh, and so I think that is one of the benefits of, of, of this long form video and, and how you bring people into that and, and make that accessible. So, so that's really what it is about making those videos accessible and findable because today when you put it on your website, it doesn't get a lot of links. And so for Google, it really, it doesn't exist much. Right. And so we're hoping to change that with that platform. We've got, uh, again, we launched it eight, eight weeks ago. We've doubled the video content on it. So we're up to 32,000 videos at this point. And, uh, and so we think and hope over the next year, we can scale it up to the point where it actually gets a lot of organic pull as well. Yeah, so all of you will be able to, you know, when you finish up the podcast at some point when you're by your computer to check out gotostage.com. And I think you guys know I've done a lot of blog posts this year about the power of video. Talked about that video would be coming to LinkedIn and it is here. And so, you know, Daniel gives a contrast to like, you know, leaving YouTube aside for a second, the video that you see on LinkedIn is very short. It's very limited in its length and it's a bit more promotional and less educational. So Daniel and the team completely reinvented how you could host webinar uh, content. And so, you know, what I wanted to make sure that a lot of you are aware because you're always coming to me and our team at DemandGen and saying, what new marketing channels um, can we reach our audience from? And I want to make sure that you knew that this platform was coming out and is actually available today for you to start building up your content and building up your channel, if you will, because, you know, you can take the existing content that you have and upload it. But did you hear Daniel say something? He said the average length of time is 61 minutes. And we can unpack some of the other factoids that we've certainly learned over time. But that is a incredibly long period of engagement for someone to be watching your content. I mean, how powerful is that? I mean, what a better way to have a prospect join you for a 60-minute engagement uh, with your content. The thing is with webinars, we all know those of us that are doing them, when you promote them and people register for them, you're going to get a subset of that audience 
to attend. And the attendees, they're, they're no doubt passionate. They want the content live and in real time. And then there's a whole audience that will listen to afterwards. But imagine if you had a platform where you could take your webinar content and you could start developing it anytime and pushing it up uh, into this channel. So it's kind of YouTube meets Netflix means, uh, you know, meets a marketer's kind of dream channel for, for promoting content. Makes me think yeah. of Linda back in the day, you know, when, yeah. when Linda.com it- was getting going and, and acquired by LinkedIn. Yes, so it's a it's like a, it's like a free Linda, right? Like obviously Linda, uh, they do their own content production and it's very structured, right? So in this case, you're finding content from a lot of very different sources, right? Like from from all sorts of customers, but uh, it's free, right? That's the benefit of it, right? For the consumer, it's a free way to learn on on niche topics. And as you said, right, like sixty minutes, so. You know, video to me we're on video right now we're, we're recording this but we're on video and it just it makes for a different experience i was i was talking about being back in europe at the time and the teams were distributed and we would always switch on the camera uh in, in go to meeting at the time and we found we could only meet each other every half year in person but we were on video pretty much every day and so what happened was the day that we came to whatever the conference room was uh it didn't feel like we hadn't met for half a year. It felt like we just met yesterday, yeah. right? So, uh, and and I feel like that's the power of video. And if you if you look at that in a in a webinar context, right? So, as a B two B company, you almost never have an opportunity to make a direct connection, right? You have your website that you know, depending on how uh, how fun you are, might be pretty corporate, <laughs> and uh, and you have your blog posts. Okay, you have uh, PDFs and whatever, but a lot of that gets very short, shallow engagement, right? And and now here you have an opportunity to be yourself, get on camera, deliver a different experience to your customers, where you're actually you get your personality to shine through. It's not just your corporate website and let you know is within the guidelines of whatever your brand voice is, but you've you've got yourself, right? You've got the people in the business and you can make a connection with customers live, answer their questions live in a way that really no other channel opens for you other than being there, right? Uh, and then being there is usually on a one-to-one basis, right? So it's kind of hard to scale one-to-one. <laughs> so that, yeah, that to me is, is part of the power of the live, right? And now with the on-demand, like the live, the frustration with the live is, right, like if you want to drive demand from live, you've got this one spike and then it drops back to zero. And that's the thing with the 100 webinars, right, you have to do it over and over and over and over again. And so the idea of moving on demand is that you actually, you get a demand engine, right, like it builds. Yep. You do one, you get the recording, the recording builds over time, you do the next one and it keeps building and building. So it's more, it's like a like a staircase, right, of uh, of just adding content to it. And yes, of course, right, shelf life is not unlimited. So over time, it'll go, it'll go down as well. But that that just keeps, you know, it just makes you keep producing the live content. And that, you know, these tools, this is what I've been trying to get across with all the blog posts and the talks that I've been doing on video is, you know, creating video content and even podcasts for that matter, it's really easy these days. It was really expensive before. The cameras were expensive. You needed a crew. You know, now you and I, like you said, we, we're, we're on video, we're on Skype, and we're recording that uh, for the podcast. But we could easily take this file and save it and upload it into GoToStage, and boom, we've got a webinar on a topic. In this case, we're using a podcast format. So for those of you that are thinking, you know what the hard part is? 
your content strategy. That's the only hard part is really thinking about, you know, what are you going to create in terms of content series? But the technology and the platform, I mean, thanks to what you guys are doing, you now have, you know, I... I compare it more to to Netflix. Um, YouTube is is definitely the right analogy, but I compare it to Netflix because of what you guys have shared with me on the longer term strategy and the AI that you're using. So the value of uploading these files, right, is not just that you have a hosting platform to put the content, it's that you have an audience, that the audience is there consuming lots of other content because they're passionate about maybe other marketing content that you haven't provided, and they're going to find and see your content and start to tune in. But you guys are doing a lot in terms of AI and recommendations and then something very unique, right? I don't know on YouTube unless they subscribe to my channel. I don't know who's watching my video and watching content. And you yep. guys want to be a, a lead gen form as well for your for your clients. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I was on uh, I was on a webinar together with uh, Ardeth Albi uh, a couple of month ago, and she was talking about this concept of binging, right, and and content hubs and how you would want to enable people to binge. And I think that's you know, I'm, I'm sure you see that with your customers, but for us, that's a behavior that we definitely see, right? Like someone is interested in something specific. You have a problem that you need to solve right now. You have a solution that you want to buy right now. And so you have this first behavior where you you go in and you try to learn everything on a topic in the in the quickest time possible. And And I think that is something that today is really hard to do with business video because where do you get that content from, right? And and so with the machine learning bit, that's something that we want to enable, right? Where the Netflix analogy makes perfect sense because we're looking at, hey, who are you as a consumer? What have you consumed? What are other people like you consuming? And then based on that, give you recommendations, right? So that if you're diving into uh, let's say sales prospecting is the topic that you need to dive into, right? Like, how do I get my team to do better prospecting? You can actually then, you find one thing, a long-form video, and it gives you recommendations from there, right? So it, that you can kind of string it up. And I think that is where some of the differentiation comes in uh, against like someone like Linda or Coursera, right? Like where... Uh, they usually have re- relatively high level topics that are of general interest that you go really deep in, right? But there are, there are so many niche business topics that are really limited in their reach, right? Like you've got these micro audiences that are interested in something very specific and, and usually also timely, right? And, and so I think that's where we have an opportunity to to shine, right? And and give people access to information that otherwise they wouldn't find. They would they would otherwise have to go to written information. Yet we know from an like if you look at, at education trends, right? Like the the wide preference for how people want to learn is is video, right? Like they don't want to learn, like a large portion of, of learners doesn't prefer the written word as, as their learning material, right? They, they want to have video and they want to have that visual component. And so I think there's a gap there that we that we hope we can fill. Yeah, well, we are raising uh, screenagers these days, right? We are raising kids that <laughs> that just look at screens all day long, whether it's images or video. And so, why would it be any surprise? Even though we've seen tremendous growth of video over the last you know decade, why would we be surprised that these consumers that are going to become the people that we're selling to and the people that are working with us in organizations they they're 
they're consuming content like crazy in a video format and, and, yeah. and picture format. So I, I have to think of my little kids and my wife is probably going to hate me for saying this, but my son basically learned to crawl with an iPad, right? Like he got really excited about the iPad and then being the, you know, tapping his fingers on it. And then I, I started pulling it away <laughs> so, and he went right after it. I'm like, oh, he crawls, right? And so, and now when we, when we, uh, when we talk to grandpa, right, like we do it on video. And so, so now, uh, grandpa was on a cruise. There was no high speed internet. We had to call grandpa for, for my son. That was, that was a really weird experience of not being able to see grandpa while you're talking to him. That made no sense to him. Wow. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, and, and yes, okay. So my son, that's going to take a while until he's a consumer for B2B products. <laughs> um, but I think, I, I think you see that, uh, in anybody, I, if you call your mom, uh, I mean, I, uh, I try to call my relatives on video because wow. otherwise I don't see them. Right. And we're remote. So I don't know. I think though, in, in terms of video, I remember a couple of years ago, you would have to force people to get on a go to meeting video call because yeah. they're like, well, I'm uncomfortable. And, and, and I, I think that has changed. People are way more open to being on camera. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully what, what you're all listening to is that, you know, with GoToStage coming out, you can upload, you know, really any content to it, whether it's audio with a, a picture placeholder or whether it's a webinar with you going through a presentation or whether you're just doing a live video. But this is going to be a new platform for you to put up your content and know that there's a large, very fast-growing audience um, broken out by different channels. And it will be great to see where this, this platform goes. Before we wrap up, you know, Daniel, I said there's, there's nobody who knows more about webinars than you. Let's give some folks some insights to, because you've done tons of testing and tried different experiments with different uh, titles of different webinars and that type of stuff. So here's a guy who knows how to use webinars as lead bait very much. So what, what are some of Daniel's best practices or knowledges, knowledge pieces that you can pass on of, of some better ways to get either better attendance or to market your webinars better? Just some things that you should know if you're a, a webinar maker. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll rattle some stuff off. Uh, so, so one of people get obsessed about attendance rate. Uh, and, and I think like one thing that we found in analyze, we analyzed about 350,000 webinars. And, and one thing we found is if you look at the top 100 of webinars, 42 of those top 100 had a crappy attendance rate. And the reason is if you do a good job promoting, then your attendance rate doesn't matter. And we did a lot of testing. As you said, we, we did a, little, a lot of testing on attendance rate because we had the same internal forks. We said, like, I've got to get our attendance rate up. We did uh, a text message test, right? So we text messaged, uh, we had a, we did an AB split, text message people. And, uh, and we actually had a worse show rate for the people that we texted, uh, not by much, but it, it made basically zero, zero impact. Then we tried to completely revamp all our confirmation emails and optimize them just for people to add them to the calendar because we thought, surely, if you have it on your calendar, you're not going to forget it. And same thing, it, it had zero impact. And, and as it turns out, people are not attending because they're busy, right? <laughs> so sending them a reminder is not really going to help. And, and, but the, the core thing here is it doesn't matter if you're if you do a better job at promoting. That's what you should really focus on. That's what's completely in your hands and, and under your control. And what we found there is starting early. So a lot of people start too late. Right? Like give yourself the time because um, there's there's people that 
plan out in advance. And so we found that you're missing about 15% of your potential audience if you only start one or two weeks in advance, right? So start three to four weeks in advance promoting it. We found Tuesday, weirdly, is the by far best day to promote. So send your promotional drops on Tuesdays. Uh, it was about 6% better than uh, than the other days. Um, so that was surprising. And then one thing that really works for us and that I would recommend and that almost has the biggest impact for us is... Um, Co-marketing. So we've we've recently partnered with a with a lot of other companies that have a similar audience and have a complementary product, right? Uh, and you see, they get another mention here. So uh, <laughs> so the Unbounce is a good example, or Go Animate, right? Like Unbounce with their landing pages, people use them in conjunction with Go to Webinar, right? And so we had a joint topic of okay, how do you conversion optimize landing pages for a webinar? Uh, with Go Animate, they do a lot of video, right? And uh, and so we learned from them how to do better promo videos. We're actually now every time I run a webinar, we do a promo video for it that's like 15 to 30 seconds. And it makes a huge difference in terms of especially when we promote it on social and, and how many people uh, we can actually reach. So the cool thing about co-marketing, we found that for pretty much any of our customers, 90 percent uh, of their of their registrations come from email. Right. So you email your list and that's your number one driver. Now, the, the thing is, if you have a co-marketing partner, they come with their own list and their list is going to be about as large as yours. And so you basically double uh, you double your success, uh, and and by not, it's actually not harder, not that much harder to coordinate a topic with a partner instead of coordinating with a speaker. It's about the same effort, but you get a much better return. And what I've also found is you build relationships that you know. Yes, you're going to have fun working with these people, and and so that leads to other opportunities, and and so that's that's another cool aspect. Absolutely, of of the. Um... Gosh, I don't know how many now. I think I'm approaching 40 podcasts, but the top five podcasts, um, the number one podcast that I did was on the five principles of successful lead management. That one I did by myself, but three of the other top five are all podcasts that I did with other folks, and it was their co-promotion and exposure of that podcast that really drive uh, a lot of listening, a lot more subscribers to the program. Good advice. Hey, when you do an hour webinar, what's the right amount of time for content? How many minutes? People always uh, wonder, what's in an hour content? How much should you be presenting versus QA? And, and what are your share your insights on that one? Yes. So I think the key thing is to keep the frontal presentation to not necessarily to a minimum, but keep that short and mix it up a lot, right? So, so what we found is that people want to, they want to, they want to have deep insights. So, so try to make it actionable, right? Uh, don't start with your pitch, start with the value right? yeah. uh, and you can add your pitch later. I'll get to that. So, and then mix it up also from a, like, don't be a single speaker with a single deck and you just read it for 30 minutes because that bores people to death. What we're trying to do is we always try to get multiple people on. We all come on video. We do a lot of like friendly banter, right? Like so we have this uh, this starting thing where we always plan for an icebreaker, right? And so whatever the topic is, we had a, a recent one that was called Ride is Fun, How to Have More Engaging Webinars, right? And so we thought, okay, how do we kick that off? 
and we thought, well, who doesn't like um, binge watching TV series, right? So we started with, hey, you know, what's your uh, what's your favorite TV series from when you were a teenager? And uh, and then and I I had David Hasselhoff up on a slide, so that that was fun in itself. Uh, David Hoff, the Hoff in uh, in underwear, that that was good. And <laughs> uh, got people, uh, you know, I mean that that just goes back to right, like how can you have fun and and present a different angle on your business? And and now I'm not saying you should always bring the Hoff on, but uh, you know just just being different and having fun, and so mixing it up, having different presenters, and then you know you can go 20, 30 minutes of content. And we try to intersperse a lot of um, audience interaction, right? Like, so we'll use uh, the Q and A and chat. Uh, you know, for example, do time time checks. Hey, how are we doing on timing? If if we're going too fast, give us a nay. If uh, if it feels right, give us a yay. And then you can read from the chat uh, readout. You know, is this working or isn't it working? Right? And you get people to lean in. What? And I think that's the important part, right? Like, because if you just keep reading at them they're going to zone out. And, and so you want their engagement using the polls for engagement, which is also the, the polls are also if you think of it from a demand gen perspective, right? There are potential gold mines for information that you can pass on uh, to your sales teams that you that you can track. So we always ask, hey, you know, what's your read on webinars? Are you kind of are you a beginner? Are you intermediate? Are you a pro? Um, what kind of products have you been using? And so you you start getting a profile of the customers and then you can you can tailor your content to the audience, right? Like you have a better understanding of who they are, what they're looking for, and and then uh, and you can all, also pitch them a different value, right? Oh, well, so 30% of you are beginners. What you're going to learn today is X and hey, 40% of you are pros, the benefits for you are going to be Y, right? So that you have something to say to all the different um, parts of the audience. But what I found interesting is that you then go over to Q&A. We, we interspersed Q&A, so we've started moving away from having Q&A at the end only and encouraging people to have questions all the time and then answering, like, we'll we'll have a moderator pop in questions that are uh, that are, you know, interesting to where you are right now we'll answer the questions right there which we find that prompts more questions right yeah. so more people when people know that their that their questions are being picked up they ask more questions right and so then you've got plenty of questions for the Q&A and then we try to time box it to 60 minutes and people are like people always ask us as well should we be doing 30 minute webinars and then time uh, and then close it off go long right like do 60 minutes people are willing to stay and and then we even go over right so at the 60 minute mark we then say hey you know if you like what you what we what we talked about today if you think that's something that you want to pursue we're now going to do a 30 minute demo of how exactly you do it and then we find that about a third of people, we regularly have like 200, 250 people staying on for another half hour after um, to see the demo, get more insights, right? So with GoAnimate, they basically, they did a 30 minute tour of their product and we had 250 people stay on for a 30 minute tour of the product and, and how exactly, and we had a trainer from them on. And so that is obviously like a golden opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so I'm telling my sales team, hey, these guys have just had a 90 minute demo of our product. <laughs> Can you please, please, please pick up the phone? Um, yeah, so. Uh, those are good tips. And you know, 30 to 40 minutes of, of content, 
that was one of the tips you saw is to make it interactive. And, and we just, in a webinar series that we did on ABM uh, and other topics, we do exactly what you were saying. So good confirmation that, you know, along the way, we take a break of Q&A. We encourage people to ask some questions, and then we work those questions, the answers, into the content. And people really know, and, and you know, like a live audience, we that they're engaged, involved in the content. But what a brilliant, um, you know, bolt-on that at the end of the webinar, you're like, hey, for those of you who want to stick around and want to see a demo, of this particular product, let's go into a demo right now, and it's it's amazing that um, you know if you if if they're interested, they're going to stick around. But what a nice way to to bolt on some additional content that really gives them a look see into your product. Yep. Well, hey, talking about time, we're going to wrap it up. But I think the most important question, personal question for you: mm. How does the wife like Santa Barbara? So I mean, how does the story end in in your move from Germany to America and and at the beach in Santa Barbara? Yeah, well, she really likes Santa Barbara. It's hard not to like Santa Barbara. Um, it's uh, it's pretty perfect. We went. Uh, we actually, I took the the kids to the beach yesterday for tide pooling, and uh, we found a sea star. We found uh, leopard sharks. Uh, what else did we find? Like it's just like uh, in, in Germany, we're landlocked. Uh, yeah. All we ever see is fossils, basically, <laughs> and hedgehogs. Um, uh, so yeah, she she likes it. Uh, she, you know, we had a daughter over here, so we have one American in the family now, uh, and uh, so we could we still have one future female president potentially uh, that go. we could uh, sponsor for the U.S. Um, and my wife is kind of like she wants to get back to work, so that's that's the only thing. And on on our visa, she can work, and so she's uh, she's about next year is when she uh, when she wants to start working again. Cool, because uh, I think she's uh, she likes the beaches, but uh, she. Uh, I think needs a challenge. She's ready to get back into it. Well, hey, I'm so proud of you for a taking risk because um, you know the risk and reward go hand in hand. Even when we fail, we we learn, and so you can't fail because you get something from that. And you know, just getting yourself out of your comfort zone, not only to invent and come up with a new product idea and, and pitch it, uh, but to bring it to market. So again, for those of you who haven't taken a look, um, check out gotostage.com. You can certainly log in and start playing around and build your channel. And if you've ever built a YouTube channel, it's gonna feel very familiar to you, but it's a way for you to host your content and push it out. We've worked with, you know, before you guys were LogMeIn, as you know, we've worked with Citrix. Citrix has been a client of DemandGen for 10 years. In fact, one of the first webinars that I did was with a guy by the name of Eric Choi, and we did a, a webinar on lead scoring years and years and years ago. Uh, and we're teaching people how to do two-dimensional scoring back in the day. And um, yeah. we've come a long way since then, certainly. Yeah. So uh, last mention on the product. So if you're on GoToWebinar, you can already use it today. Um, right now, only GoToWebinar customers can use it. But we're about to open it up. And uh, and we can already get you in now. So, uh, so uh, you know, just, just shoot me an email or something, daniel.voss at logmein.com. And we're happy to get you on board early. Or if you're a GoToWebinar customer, it's available in your account right now. And, uh, and yeah, so we'd, excited, we'd be excited to chat with you about it. Yeah, check it out. I mean, it's. I wanted to expose this platform. Uh, I'm an early adopter myself, and we marketers are always looking for new ways to reach audiences. This is a ground floor opportunity to break into a new community and have a new channel and, and definitely give it a look and let us know what you think. Uh, you got Daniel's email, but you can also reach him on, on LinkedIn. Hey, Daniel, thanks so much for, for jumping onto the podcast and doing an episode with me. So great to get to know uh, you and, and our similar passions. And I can't wait to see where this platform takes off. Congrats. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, and uh, yeah, just thanks a bunch. All right, Daniel, take care. Say hi to the team. I will.
<laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. <laughs>